When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 2021 season can no longer hurt you anymore podcast as we uh, reflect on having watched the Vikings play a football game against the Chicago Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium. That definitely happened. Uh, Matthew Collar here along with Paul Hodewanik. Sam Ekstrom is uh, out today. And Paul, you were in the stands. I was in the press box. And so I decided to write my piece reacting to the game not about each detail of the game or what it meant or anything like that, because it all means nothing, but really just sort of observing and looking around at what everything looked like the sea of purple seats that I've never seen before outside of 2020, when there were no fans, the way that fans did not react at all. When Andy Dalton walked onto the field to start the offense for the bears, um, you know, you and I could have been having a conversation across the room. It was so quiet. I've never seen anything like that with a, with an entire building full. And yet the opposing team's offense is on the field that everyone's like, okay, I guess we'll see what happens here. Um, tell me about before we get into the Justin Jefferson non-record and some of Anthony Barr's comments post game, which he was very reflective and made it pretty clear that he's not going to return. And of course the inevitability, it seems of uh, Mike Zimmer's situation. Tell me what it was like for you in the stands you made the decision along with your family to go and attend this game so i thought this is perfect mm-hmm. we could talk about what your feeling was being there um and and getting that sense for how people were here but yet not really engaged because they all sort of knew the deal oh yeah for sure i was all the way up in section 302 way up high uh we got some discounted tickets uh, i think it was like teacher appreciation day or something like that so got some discounted tickets and let me tell you section 302 is right up with a bunch of the bears fans in one of the corners and my gosh is that just a melting pot of of nfl mediocrity that we were we were up there it was fire Nagy chance fire zimmer chance like booing from both offenses getting booed by their respective fans just just amazing. I mean, the con- there's a conversation behind me like, oh, if the Vikings win this game, is Zimmer safe? Like, that's where I was at. That's th- that was the that was the group that I was with, and we were having a great time up there. But yeah, there there was no juice. I remember being on my phone at one point, just looking through Twitter, seeing something about Joe Judge running a QB sneak on third and nine, and hadn't looked up to see that the Bears had attempted a field goal. And I would have thought that maybe there'd be some, you know, some chance trying to get him to maybe you know fluster him but there was nothing there was silence the whole time I looked up they said wait we're out of a timeout they, they kicked a field goal already that was basically the vibe all game long uh the, the the most excited that Vikings fans got at least in the first half was when the Packers score would flash up on the screen and they got to ch- be happy because the Packers without Aaron Rodgers were losing to the Lions the Packers that had clinched a bye 
were losing to the Lions in a meaningless game. And that was giving Vikings fans at the game the most joy. So that's the that's where I was at. Um, it was it was an experience. It was I had fun, um, but not because of necessarily the play on the field. That's for sure. Yeah, I wrote that, you know, Sage Rosenfels was at the game. He was texting me. He brought his daughter. And I'm sure that if people got, like you said, discounted tickets and you brought your kids and your kids like, I don't know, they're not as cynical as you yet. So they probably really enjoyed it. I mean, Justin Jefferson had an incredible touchdown catch. Imagine just throwing the ball up to Justin Jefferson. Who would have ever thunk that that would be a thing that would work. Um, But, you know, so that he had that play, they had the Patrick Peterson pick six. That was exciting. KJ Osborne's touchdown where Jefferson was left wide open and couldn't get the record. That was a really good play. And I don't necessarily blame Kirk Cousins for that. If the play takes you that way and a guy's open, he's going to throw it to that guy and not go, oh yeah, the record or whatever um, during the play as somebody's chasing you down. But what a classic day in so many ways. One, the Packers living rent-free inside of Vikings <laughs> and Bears fans' head. They at one point showed a woman who was wearing a Rodgers jersey, and it was the loudest the stadium got where they all like, boo, no, screw you, Rodgers. And it's like, of course, of course you're worried about the Packers score, even though they're not even playing a, a, a game that matters because it's the only thing you've got left to hang on to at the moment is – that the pack, you know, anything that bad happens to the Packers, that's going to be what is exciting to Vikings fans and Bears fans at this point, who are just the Spider-Man meme of all Spider-Man memes. They're both firing their coach. They both had mediocre quarterbacks who couldn't get anything really going on offense. One of them, of course, was less mediocre than the other and got hot once the other team started to fall apart or didn't care or whatever it was. And for the second straight year, I'd have to check for last year, but I think it's the second straight year that the Vikings play a meaningless game in which Cousins had a quarterback rating over 140. So that's always great to put up on the uh, on the old stat sheet there. I mean, I wrote in my recap, like if you if you wonder why Cousins is a 500 quarterback but has all these great stats, maybe you just check out today. I mean, they're down 14 points, uh, but the Bears are horrible, so they came back and somehow you look up and it's like at 114 and then it's 130. And then it's like, well, what game have I been watching? But that's why if you get down 14 to a good team, you'll usually lose. If you get down 14 to a bad team and then start throwing it all over the yard, you maybe can win. Uh, And that's sort of been the definition of what this team has been with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. The first half of the game is just miserable and they're being booed off the field. I think the first boos came at 9.08 in the second quarter uh, because there there was just a complete no-show early on in the game on offense. And then finally it gets together because again, like the Bears are just, they're not good. Like this is not the Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack. Like those guys aren't even playing in this game. Um, So, you know, it's sort of classic from that fashion. And then classic with the Justin Jefferson situation. They have a third and 15. Justin Jefferson is all of 17 yards away from breaking the record. And they hand off on a delay handoff to Ken A. Wongwu. I mean, either Clint Kubiak was being really funny as like, oh, Zimmer, you wanted runs. Here's a hilarious run. Uh, Or Mike Zimmer said, no, we're running the ball here because we've got to run the clock out and not give the record to Justin Jefferson. And then look, there have been so many times with Mike Zimmer throughout his era where 
he's in a position where you could defend him in some way or another, but then he makes it impossible. Like why is Mike Zimmer not going to be the coach the next time we do a podcast because of what he said about Justin Jefferson, he could have easily said, you know what guys, I really wanted him to get the record, but I also didn't want to disrespect the other team. Like they're in our division and you know, I respect coach Nagy and I didn't want to be like heaving it downfield at the end of the game when we should just be in victory formation. So that's a hard thing. And maybe, you know, I have to, coach in the league still maybe and everything like you, he could have sold me on that, that it's just not something that would go over very well. Um, now, personally, I think who cares? They're in your division. They're your division rival. Get the kid, the record let's go, but okay. All right, fine. Uh, the crowd is yelling for them to throw the ball to Jefferson, but on the third and 15, the game is not over. It's not even close to over. That is a point where, and, and even the play before that, where they handed off and just lost yardage to Alexander Madison, Those are two plays where they could have easily tried to get Justin Jefferson the record. And then Zimmer comes out and says, I don't care about records. I care about wins. Oh, you mean you played all your starters today because you care about your win-loss record? Oh, okay. Okay, I get you. I get you. It was almost like he did it out of spite for Justin Jefferson. For what reason? Uh, Justin Jefferson has been the only reason this team is worth watching for two straight seasons without him. They've got what three wins each year. And instead he's just given everything. He hasn't been a diva. He's gotten better and better. He's taken on all the load of the offense basically, because they couldn't run this year and just dominated the entire season. And you can't even huck a throw his way on third and 15. You have to give a delay handoff. I mean, what in what world does that make sense? The uh, the ironic thing about that is that if you're racing for the playoffs, that play still doesn't make sense. In, in, in no situation in the year 2021 does it make sense to not throw to Justin Jefferson on third and 15, and it makes even less sense when there is nothing on the line. And just as an aside before I get your reaction to the whole fiasco, Just classic at the end of the first half. Again, nothing on the line. Kirk Cousins throws the ball out of bounds to preserve the quarterback rating or whatever else. It's like, there are reasons, folks. There are reasons. The statistics do not tell the entire story all the time. There are reasons. There's nothing on the line, and you're down two touchdowns, and you're heaving the ball out of bounds to make sure that you don't make a mistake. Well, okay. Or then what? Like then what would happen? You'd miss the playoffs for the second straight year. I don't know. Um, So anyway, that's a, that's a side rant, but the way that Zimmer handled it, then just being completely unprofessional in his answer and disrespectful to Justin Jefferson. And then of course, Kirk cousins comes out and said, Oh yeah, man, I wanted to get him the record. And then you're like, do you have the ball? Like, could you, could you change the play? Who's, what are they going to do to you, Kirk? Third and 15, Clint Kubiak says, run the draw. Oh, sorry. Headset went out, bro. We're throwing Jefferson. Let's go. Oh, that's what a, that's what a quarterback with some moxie or some factor, like leadership factor or whatever would do. And then what are you going to do to him? You're fired tomorrow, probably. So like, oh no, Kirk, you're benched for Sean Mannion. There's nothing you could do. But instead, no, no, no. Instead, it's lots of words. It's lots of lip service. It's, well, yeah, I was aware of that record all week long, Kirk says. And I wanted to get it to a man. Just really killed me inside. Like, okay, then why don't you just throw him the, the football? Do you know the plays? It's week 18. Can you go in the huddle and be like, guys, they sent in a draw, but that's stupid. And so now let's throw it to Jefferson. Let's get this record, guys. And you know what? If he throws a pick and he gets yelled at on the sideline, who cares? 
but all of it is just so perfectly aligned with why none of it works. Right. And uh, so that, that was kind of, I know I'm, I've been ranting, but that's, that was my feeling of like, ah, yes, you won this game, but look at all of it. That's why. Yes. Uh, leave it to the Vikings to create a controversy in a meaningless week 18 game. Just, just, just textbook. It, it didn't have to mean much. You could have played the backups. It would have been not controversial, but you're going to play the starters. So then it becomes a controversy. Oh, we just need to get Jefferson 17 more yards, but we're not going to, because now I get to get asked about it later and then get to give a, just a snide answer to the, to the media uh, afterwards. I mean, it caused the stadium to boo them at they kneeled down to end the game. They win by two scores and they boo them. I, I, people around me were booing because they wanted to see him get the record. Like the last minute when they got the ball back, the entire stadium knew they had flashed on the screen so many times. They, they knew what Jefferson needed. You saw him go out there. The fans get excited because they see them go out there and you see them not line up in the victory formation and you go, Oh, Sweet. Okay, they're going to do this. No, they're not going to do it. Why? Because why would they do it? But you know what, Matthew? They they got the win. They put up a strong effort. This team is full of fighters, as Zimmer said. <laughs> fighters in this team. They didn't give up. And you know what? Momentum. Momentum going into next year. You, you just can't quantify wh- how much a win just can put in, like, good, lift the spirits heading into this offseason. I, I bet the guys are going to work super, super hard knowing that they just won this game. They won it by two scores. You're putting a chip on Justin Jefferson's shoulder. Now he has to go back and get it again. Like just, just so much momentum, motivation heading into next year. I mean, this is exactly what you want. Kirk gets to come back after his week off, uh, just face so much adversity. Now he gets to come back, play well. And this is, I mean, just, just what else could you have wanted from this game? Just fantastic. Just, I, I just, I just can't imagine what it's going to feel like in July. I know when you finish this season with a win and, and you went out strong, it's, it's gotta feel great. And, and you know what? They played for each other. So. If you did that uh, and it wasn't on this show, someone would be like, you interned with Matt, right? <laughs> like, that, this is, this is a proud, this is a proud moment, right? There. Yeah. That sarcastic rant. Mm-hmm. Is very, I am very proud of you, Paul. Yeah. That is, Thank you. Um, you can see the growth and we're all about growth. Uh, sure. But your point though, think about this. So last year they have the same thing happen against Detroit. They all say all the same things. Oh man, that locker room feels really good today. And I don't doubt that it does. Look, our, our, our rec league basketball team played a meaningless game outside of the playoffs and we tried to win. I'm not saying anyone should ever try not to win if they're out there playing. Uh, but look, you would have rather just watch Kellen Mond play today. I think uh, I'm sure, you know, there were probably some fans again that came and wanted to see Kirk cousins play well, that maybe think that, you know, he's been victimized here over the last couple of years and they like him and root for him. And that's fine. You got what you paid for in the building, but aside from the people who are in the building and maybe enjoyed watching what they saw out there, the more pragmatic thing would have been to play Mond, see what you have as a backup quarterback potentially for next year. Because if he comes out and he looks competent, there just aren't that many people who do in the NFL look competent at the quarterback position. And if he doesn't, then you know, okay, well, you got to address that backup quarterback situation for next year. Instead, we still don't know. He wasn't even active. Just one more wave the middle finger at everybody, Mike. And then, you know, Zimmer at post game wouldn't answer any big picture questions about, 
you know, his tenure or anything else. And he says, well, we'll talk about that another time, which would be when exactly um, you mean to, you know, NFL network when they go visit the ranch this summer, I guess we'll all look for that. But, you know, I'd be very surprised. I'm, I shouldn't count it out entirely. When I covered Chan Gailey in uh, Buffalo, he did a, I just got fired press conference. Um, Chan Gailey was far less petty and uh, had a much better relationship with the media than Zimmer does. So I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't count it out just yet. Maybe we'll be talking about that tomorrow that he's done a I've been fired press conference. But I would guess it's probably just a press release comes out. Mike Zimmer says thanks for the memories and all that. That's my guess. Um, but, you know, to put that aside, they hurt their draft status today. I mean, that's just reality. Like, I, I know that there are people who listen and say, look, I never want my team to lose. But by playing Kirk Cousins, by Kirk Cousins playing – well in the second half of the game and throwing some touchdowns to Amir Smith-Marset, which we'll talk about, uh, you hurt your draft status and they did it last year and they ended up drafting in the middle of the first round versus they would have been on the fringe of the top 10. I forget exactly what it was, but it's going to be the same thing this year where you're going to drop back into the middle of the first round, which is the hardest place to be. Uh, and then it, rather than being on the, the fringe of trading up for a quarterback, if that's what you want, or being able to drop back and get, look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they dropped back and they traded with Miami and I, they, they got like a ton and, and now they have a bunch of picks and it's just like, this is the way you do it. I think that the Eagles have three first round picks next year. This is the way you do it. If you want to build, especially if you're going to have an expensive quarterback, but if you want to build your franchise, usually drafting players high is the way to do it. And I'll probably bring up this stat a bunch of times that I heard last year about like the higher you draft, this is obvious, the higher you draft, but if you can draft even in the top five, you have double the odds of drafting a hall of famer from even drafting like six to 10, the higher you go, the better you have a chance for a star and you by winning this football game hurt the chances. Not only that, but also irritated the heck out of Justin Jefferson <laughs> in the process. You're one player that really matters for the future. And so, you know, it was an entertaining game. There was a lot of wild stuff. And you kind of assume that when people are making business decisions, you're going to have some big plays and some weird bounces and stuff. And it had that they got a ton of sacks. So that number is going to go up and they'll look like they had a, a great pass rush this year. Even though if you watch the games, I'm sure that, Nobody thought that, that they had a great pass rush, but the numbers will look uh, decent on that. Anthony Barr was another one that was interesting, Paul, because after the game, uh, Anthony Barr basically acknowledged everything that's ever been said about Anthony Barr, uh, whether it's good or bad. Like his coaches talking about how he's a leader and he has great intangibles and all those things. And also the people who tweet him that he's injured too often or that he doesn't have enough production or that his PFF grades aren't good enough or whatever else. But he made it very clear that he's not going to be back as expected. And I just thought, you know, there's a part of me that just thought it's unfortunate that sometimes the players have social media and end up getting all of this. Like it's all fair criticism to say he didn't make enough plays over his time here, uh, that his contract was not a good one. All that stuff's fair. But also I think, you know, just as having covered him for a long time, one of the most intelligent players I've covered, uh, the guy who, if you watch him before every play, lines up everybody where they're supposed to be. Um, and has fought through a lot to even play this year where he pretty much could have shut it down at one point and then came back and played and 
had some bumps along the way and everything else. And not only that, but the Ed Block Courage Award winner, the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, like a guy that means a lot to your organization that unfortunately said he felt underappreciated because of those criticisms. And I don't know what to do with that. Like, I'm not, we can't stop saying what the truth is about players like that. But in a way, it's like, oh, I, I kind of wish that you, you know, didn't, have to carry that around with you. I don't, I don't know. Maybe just empathetic yeah. to what people get in their mentions all the time for Anthony Barr. So he goes out on this odd note of the team wasn't very good the last couple of years and people thought he was overpaid and hurt too much and didn't have enough production, which is coincidental because he had big production the last couple of weeks and it didn't matter. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's like an, it's like an odd play. It's always been an interesting player for, for me to discuss because yeah. I think that there is more to a linebacker than just what the grades or the production says. But I also think it's some of those criticisms are fair considering the contract. And then he didn't sign himself to that contract. That was a bad contract given out by this team. One of many, which sort of gets to the next discussion about Rick Spielman, but just, just your, your thoughts on uh, what Anthony Barr said. Yeah. I, and he got two sacks today and it felt after one of them, he was almost on the field a little longer than normal. And he had six, seven or eight guys kind of come up and give him a tap on the head and like kind of congratulate him. And, you know, admittedly, I'm not watching every time Barr gets a sack or any guy gets a sack and how many people come congratulate him, but he lingered a little bit and it, and he got a big, nice ovation, obviously for the sack. And it would have been nice at some point where you could kind of honor him for what he was able to do for this team. Cause he's been a stalwart for this, for the organization, obviously with his contract situation, like it's, you, you can't really do that at this point with the formality of it. Like it's not, it hasn't happened yet. Like he still could be back. So, but it was nice to get him kind of, to have him get those two sacks and kind of have his moment in the spotlight, at least to get cheers. Um, but yeah, I think we've talked about it on this show and it's, it's one of those, one of those things I stats tell us so much and they help us so much in the game, but if it's the only thing you look at, um, it can, some guys can go underappreciated in certain situations. And I think Anthony Barr is probably one of those guys uh, for the Vikings. He's, I mean, he's been the leader for the team. He just seems to do, if we take Zimmer at his word um, for the last several, several seasons, um, he's always only got um, good things to say about Barr and the impact that he has on the game beyond the stats. And that's not even touching all the stuff he does off the field. Uh, So it, it is unfortunate that that it gets to him and he starts to feel underappreciated. And I would guess, because even my Twitter timeline this morning was Zimmer nostalgia for whatever reason. It was a weird spot to be. Everyone was, you know, it's it's been a great few, like great eight years. I think the same will happen over the next few months with Anthony Barr. I think once it gets removed a little bit and fans learn the formality of him being gone, I think he will hopefully see um, tons of outpouring of support because that's probably that's what he deserves at this point. But yeah, I mean, his tenure didn't the end of his tenure didn't go how you would have planned. But it is, as you mentioned in your article earlier, pretty apropos that he is going to go out with Zimmer and he was his first draft pick uh, with Zimmer. Um, truly, kind of the end of an era for both those guys. Yeah, um, with uh, with Anthony Barr, I guess I, I oh, yesterday after I wrote that article, I got a text from somebody with the team that said, thank you for writing this because it's how a lot of people think. And what I wrote was that we have all this information at our fingertips and we use it, you and I, to get to the bottom of the truth. And so, again, you're not apologizing for what the PFF grades say they are no. what they are. 
Yep. Um, that's just the facts. But at the same time, um, there is more to it. And I think that, you know, it, it is tough. Like you said, you can't put up on the video board. Thank you, Anthony. Hint, hint, your contract is up. I mean, it's just, I don't think you can necessarily do that. Uh, but like I like always Greg Coleman. Like, Greg Coleman got a huge yeah. send off today in the stadium where he was honored two, three times. Like that's what you'd want for someone like Barr, but it just, you just can't have it happen. Right. That was nice. But I also, I understand the, the cynical nature. And I was going to say that um, about Mike Zimmer and how I saw that too, of a lot of people saying, you know, it was a great era, great run because Jay Glazer is reporting that it's over. And I don't know, man. I mean, I guess, I guess you could just call, you can maybe call me being too cynical about this, but if half of the time that you're here is pretty good and I'm not willing to say, great, you did not reach a Super Bowl. There was one season where you were a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The other one, you lose in the wild card round. I know it was on a field goal, but you just are going to have a tough time convincing me that losing in the wild card round in general uh, is a huge success. And you're kind of around 500. I mean, a lot of bad things happened for sure. Um, he had to revamp the entire organization that was down. And we'll talk about all this you know, later. Uh, but I, I just was surprised a little by some of the like, oh, you know, I'm going to miss him and all these things when it's been four years of bad. It's not just like, oh, man, things went off the rails this year. You hate to see it. Like, remember when um, Jack Del Rio was in Oakland and they went 12 and four. And then the next year, I think they went six and 10 and they just fired him, which happens all the time. I mean, this is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn the thing around. And I think the people who will think a lot of Zimmer as the earlier years of the great defenses and stuff. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it because the organization was in such a bad spot when he took over, but these last four years have been pure chaos for the most part, pure mediocrity. And I think what happened today at the end of the game as people booed and then walked out is a weight comes off your shoulders, basically of now we know like we don't have, you might have to do this again next year where it's a meaningless game, but at least there will be players that are worth watching for the future as opposed to, Oh, Smith Marset finally got a shot. And that's the only guy that you can really cling on to. And the other thing too, is, you know, when the, the receiver, your star player, 22 year old handles himself so much better than the head coach of the team in his public face. I mean, it's like, well, now this weight comes off your shoulders and you feel like you've got something to work with going forward in this great player who in the minutes after he gets screwed out of this record is saying, I, I can't wait to get better this off season. I think he means it. I mean, sometimes I know how, like we talk about Jefferson, he's just flawless and that's, I mean, not exactly true, but I mean, there are very few players at another position other than quarterback who can, be the guy who drives your success as a franchise. And Jefferson is one of them. And the way he handled himself today, I thought was, was very impressive. So as you walk out of the stadium, it's like, okay, well, that's over. Now it's time for, you know, the next chapter of everyone's life. And you have to, and you, you have to think about, and we will the last four years as just a slog, just miserable for the most part, where it was, you know, different offensive coordinators and press conferences about excuses why they didn't get here or there, uh, moves from management that were a total mess and, and, and bizarre at times, you know, certain trades and things like that. I was thinking about that at the end of just how much Vikings fans have gone through with this team 
over the last four years. And that's why I'm surprised that there were so many people getting weepy about Zimmer because it's not, it's not his, all his fault. Just like it's not all cousins fault or it's not all Spielman's fault, but it just, it just has like a, a feeling of you just didn't get where you were supposed to go. It wasn't, it wasn't bad breaks. It was a total system failure letdown. And for Zimmer to not even sort of acknowledge that in what it could very well be his last press conference, I thought was pretty weak too. Like, um, I'm not even going to acknowledge the massive disappointment that this has been to fans over the last few years. And, you know, he'll reflect, uh, only on the close games they lost. Again, we got that thing of, well, you know, we lost against Dallas on a last throw to Cooper rush. I'll keep doing this. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I feel like that's some people on Twitter that I saw too, but I think the overall feeling was people could not wait for this thing to be over. And now we start something very new, Paul. Yeah. And I think, like you can, it's, it doesn't have to be black and white with this conversation. Like you can both acknowledge the fact that Zimmer, when he got here, he elevated it to a sense of stability that it had, it had struggled to have in the years prior, in the few years prior. Like you can acknowledge that and say, that was a good job elevating from then. But you, you also can acknowledge the massive, like massive, massive disappointments that have come in the time since then. Like it's, it's okay to say, you know, Zimmer for eight years, most coaches don't last eight years stabilized the franchise from where it was before got them into the playoffs and then also say it was a big disappointment it doesn't have to be he was great they're making a mistake or he was always bad he wasn't always bad and he definitely wasn't always good and so yeah he 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 helped them get from a bad spot and now he kind of put them slightly back into it and that's just kind of where we're at at this point and it's it's i it was it was weird that how sappy it was and i think part of it is just you know, and it's anyone loses their job in this league, it, you always have to be like, well, you know, he's a great guy. Like the, remember the good times, but I, I, it, it was a little weird and yeah, I, I don't know. It, it it's going to be different without him for sure. But I, I, I don't, I don't think it has to be this black and white thing. Like, I think you have to acknowledge both, both parts of it. And over the last few years, just did not do a whole lot to endear himself the way that he did the first couple of years, Um, you know, overcoming the eye thing and trying to drive to Jacksonville. And and we'll do, you know, I've got a list of different Zimmer stories I want to talk about, uh, including just my own covering him and how much I learned from him. And, um, you know, some of the things that we would have back and forth that don't end up on Twitter or anything else like that, uh, that I enjoyed. So I plan on discussing that, but I mean, we have to look at it from a black and white type of thing that, you know, to end it by saying, I don't care if Justin Jefferson gets this record because I care about me and my win loss record more. It's just like the perfect way to sort of summarize how he became more and more like defensive and sort of, you know, frustrated in these press conferences and would just sort of shoot out whatever came into his head. And like, these things don't go, don't go very well with seven and nine or seven, eight, eight, nine. Um, you know, they, maybe they're cute when they're 13 and three, like, Oh, that's Zimmer trash in case Keenum again. Ha <laughs> ha. But like not as touching when uh, it's eight, and nine, uh, when it's a, when it's a huge disappointment for the season. So I, yeah, I think that that becomes harder to defend. And, and there's a part of me that says, all right, first question to a new head coach. All right. Scenario, new head coach. Let's say, your superstar receiver needs 16 yards to tie a record, 17 to beat it. It's third down and 15. What do you do? Go. 
If the answer is I hand off to Kenny Wongwu, a rookie who, whatever, man, I mean, like he's exciting and I'm interested in his future, but like, what, why is he getting the football at this point when Justin Jefferson is out there uh, doing what he's done? Uh, if the coach says, Oh no, I'd be uh that's a, that's a time you hand off. Okay. Next guy. Let's get the next interview. You can give that, you can uh, give that question to the Wilfs. You can give that to the Wilfs. They should, that should be part yeah, of the criteria okay. for their hiring. Yeah. Right. Just ask him this question. Uh, I mean, in that scenario, you could just, there's nothing on the line, man. You could go for it on fourth down to try and get him that ball. And you know what? The bears will get over it. I mean, my gosh, if, even if it was about some sort of disrespect, huh? It's the bears. Do they deserve no respect? One's be They're there. about to fire their yeah. coach. So yeah, no, what do I care? And I'm sorry that everything circles back to this Jefferson record thing, but it's like, it's just so perfect. It's so perfectly why this didn't work in part. The other part is, hey, did you see the offensive line in the first half? Akeem Hicks isn't even here, and they're still sacking your quarterback and strip sacking him and all that. And that's, you know, its own set of issues. But I did want to mention that Amir Smith-Marset clearly has some problems with the details from what we've heard from Mike Zimmer, what we saw in training camp. And the details are hard. You can ask Laquan Treadwell how hard they are. Running routes to the right distance understanding defenses, all this stuff matters. Um, now, does it matter too much to Mike Zimmer? You might have to ask Cordero Patterson. I don't know. But the receivers, you know, coming out after the game saying, Justin Jefferson saying like, oh, we've known that Smith-Marset could make some plays down the field. And you're like, so does that mean that maybe you're saying they should have played a little more? Where have I heard this one before? An exciting playmaker who they just wouldn't play because he couldn't get certain details right. Maybe you can find a way to get him the ball. It's like, you know, okay, so Thielen gets hurt and you have, um, you know, who else got hurt? Oh, Irv Smith got hurt. All right, that's fine. But when you have players with the playmaking ability of Kenny Wongwu and apparently Amir Smith-Marset and you didn't use them, it's like, again, new coach. How will you use players that are super fast and very good at like catching or running or stuff that matters? Um, even if they're not perfect, how will you use them? Because Smith Marset, Kirk Cousins said it again, another little, little knife to the back, little jab from Cousins. He said, well, you know, even going back to OTAs, we saw that Smith Marset could make plays downfield. It's just like finger pointing from day one all the way till the very last day. Of course you guys would. But I think that when you talk about, this is where I keep coming back to about revamping the franchise. I don't want to call it a rebuild because they have these players who can make plays and are good on offense, two tackles, at least one superstar receiver, probably another pro bowl receiver, and then emerging receivers. And then a tight end coming back, presumably a running back who is one of the best in the league. I mean, you're just not that far away from being able to put someone else in the quarterback position uh, and, and have them take off. Now, I'm not declaring Amir Smith-Marset in this meaningless game to be the next great deep threat in the NFL, but just sort of telling that two people came out and said, oh, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. We saw him. And what I know that is, um, I know that is code for we should have played him more. And that's what it felt like. And again, just apropos, like here we are again, talking about a playmaker and Smith Marset has that thing where the ball is in the air and he finds it and he catches it. Well, this is what we've seen before with some of their receivers who have emerged as late rounders. So, I mean, it, that, that becomes all of a sudden this game puts him on the map to be intriguing for next year. But I think when you pull out of the, like the broader view and look and say, 
okay, as you make these changes, you have to find someone who just understands how to get the most out of all of this. And then you also probably have to understand that Kirk Cousins is not the only quarterback on earth who could throw to these people, that there's probably other quarterbacks who cost less or have mobility or other skill sets or leadership or whatever it is that can take you in other places. So I think it was just sort of another little drop in the bucket of, oh, look, there's another guy who can make plays that you guys barely used. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, I mean, we've seen this type of last week performance from guys before, and sometimes it means something. Other times, you know, Alexander Hollins, other cases, it means nothing with the wide receivers or any position. So this game does not mean Smith-Marset is a shoe-in. Like, we don't have to, they don't have to sign another wide receiver if Thielen leaves because now they have Osborne and Marset. Like, that is not what this day proves. But it probably proves he could have run a few more routes before week 18. It, it means maybe you two, three times a game, you at least put him in there and give him a chance to make a catch. Uh, same thing with Kenny Wangwu that we have talked about earlier in this year. Maybe it just means, you know, running the ball for him a few times, not third and 15 when Justin Jefferson is almost near a record. Maybe don't do it then, uh, but find some times to get him involved and do different things. So I think that is important, but I we definitely need to just say it's not we're not saying smith marset is some amazing wide receiver who's who's just been sitting there he's he's this you know golden ticket that's just been sitting on the bench and they've refused to play him that's it's not necessarily the case but yeah it 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 was fitting that he came out and played really really well and then those comments come out after uh the game and we will see if those prove to just be you know one game where he got open a couple times against a bad bear secondary or if this is something that catapults him to at least some sort of relevance for this team. Right. And they should not look at this, whoever the, uh, if there is a new decision maker is should not look at this and say, Oh, well all set there. He had a great week 18 because they've done stuff like that before. It was like, Oh, Armand Watts should be fine. Or Ole Udo should be fine. And well, I think Watts had an okay season, but uh, Udo most certainly did not. And him holding when they got into the red zone, was like one more, just one more for the road, man. Like one more horrible hold. Penalty. It was, he dragged just, him to the ground. <laughs> it's just remarkable. I mean, that's what you get when you put a guy in over his head. But the fact that he didn't stop doing that all the way to the end of the season was like, I think you got yourself the next Rashad Hill, but probably not much more than that. Um, so we'll go over in the coming weeks, all the things that we learned in the future. And uh, we should within probably, um, I don't know, 14 hours of me publishing this, have an answer on whether, Mike Zimmer is going to be let go as the head coach and what's going to happen to general manager. And so we'll be there of course, for, uh, for all of that. So Paul, I appreciate you uh, reporting live from the stands. Uh, sure. Thanks for doing, thanks for doing with this. The people. Um, I'm Sam with the people. had something come up, yeah. couldn't make it today. So I appreciate you stepping in and just, uh, I would like to say that it has been a tough, it has been a very tough ride and I've probably ended several podcasts this way, but I have so much appreciation for the people who want to continue to listen and carry on with us here, because I think there's a lot of fan bases who would check out and really like there were, there were open purple seats today, but there were probably more than I would have expected. I would have expected like, right. I would have expected. I mean, I I spent, I spent an hour and 15 minutes post game stuck in a parking ramp. So I, I was seeing it. I, I, 
while you got there two hours before I got there an hour before and traffic was wall to wall. So they were out there. Um, was it less than previous games? Yeah, but man, they were cheering anytime they got a first down, even down 14, zero punting three or four straight three and outs to start the game. 30 seconds left. They're on their feet chanting the, the fight song when they kick a field goal. So they very much, the people that were there showed up and, my hour sitting in a parking ramp um, to get back here to do this podcast would prove that there are at least enough of enough of them that are still, still enthralled with everything that's going on. Well, that sounds miserable. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, Cause I, yeah, I had no problem at all. I went right in and parked. So I guess just getting here a little earlier. Uh, but anyway, the, the point just being that I have a great appreciation uh, and respect for how engaged Vikings fans are with the product and how much they care about every single detail, which we cover in depth. And I feel like for the last two years, since we started purple insider uh, back way back when you were an intern, Paul, Mm -hmm. um, that it's just been kind of a lot of the same stuff of like, what if Kirk's different? What should Zimmer do? What should Spielman trade for? And it's been so unfulfilling for fans these last two years that finally as this season comes to an end there is a sense of being able to go upward uh from here even if there is another average season but just having a path having the potential to find a path that could go in the right direction um for me is very exciting to not be talking about sort of the same things of well, they got an offensive coordinator. He's also named Kubiak. Uh, I don't know what to tell you how it's going to be different. You know, like maybe, I, I mean, that's, that's been a, that's been a real challenge. So um, I appreciate everyone coming along for the ride and it's only going to get more interesting as we go along. So thanks again for your help, Paul. And thank you all for listening to the uh, purple insider podcast all of these weeks as i ranted and raved after all these games so thanks everybody and by the next time you hear me we may be talking candidates we'll see you then